And if I'm right, MJ, that's uh, that's from the Iona community, right? Or like, so they put that together? By way of the Iona. By the Iona community. So again, John Bell from the Iona community is coming to FCC this upcoming fall. Extra plug already early on. So our second scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, beginning with the fifth verse. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends our second reading. I'll just check, make sure this is actually working. Okay. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus had been teaching and healing in Capernaum and the area around Galilee. And at the end of chapter 5, or at the end of chapter 4, just before we get to the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus decides it's time to move on to new areas. He needs some space to himself. And yet he gets up in the morning and he finds himself on the shores of Lake Galilee. And there yet another crowd has assembled, wanting to hear a word from him, wanting to be healed by him. Meanwhile, at that morning hour, as the sun is still shimmering off the lake, uh, the sea there of Galilee, there were two uh, sets of fishermen, four fishermen who were washing their nets. And in one of the sort of otter points in the passage, (laughs) Jesus just, without asking, just hops in one of the boats. And I imagine what that would look like today if some person just hops in your car and then it's like, hey, by the way, can you drive me out a little bit? That's basically what Jesus says. So Jesus goes out just a little bit from shore, sits down, and then teaches. The text doesn't say what exactly he taught or what was said. He teaches. And then he turns to Simon Peter, whom he had just met, and says, can you push out a little bit more into deep water? And then let down your nets. Time to go fishing. Now, when I think of Peter in this situation, Peter is someone who must be totally and utterly exhausted. Here is someone who has spent the entire night fishing. 
And again, this fishing is more manual labor than just a cast rod. Here we have someone who's taking these nets, these, these nets and tossing them in the water, and they're so heavy it requires two people to get them and then drag them back up again. And so this is all night long of throwing the nets in and dragging them back up and not catching any fish throughout the course of the night. Peter is exhausted, exhausted to the core. And yet, when Jesus asks him to put out into deep water to let down his nets one more time, even though he's failed to catch anything before, when he asks him to do it one more time, Peter does it. Why? Why should he believe that there'd be more fish there? If there's one thing I think we all can relate to in this passage, it's the level of Peter's exhaustion. We here in modern society are very good at exhausting ourselves to the bone. I mean, if I were to do a poll, I'd be curious how many of you in this room here have gotten eight hours of sleep each night for the past week? Especially for those who have kids. I see Brett yawning right there. It's like, especially for those who have kids, the chances of getting eight hours of sleep every night is slim to none. In addition to our work schedules and our family schedules, uh, there's also spending time with friends and other events that are going on. If there's one thing that we feel to our core, it's just exhaustion. And so imagine being at that low point of exhaustion and saying, hey, I want you to go out and do something more again. Why go out and do it? Why find that strength? And our exhaustion is not just physical. Our exhaustion is also spiritual. We get spiritually exhausted in society today. I mean, you turn on the news and you can't help, or you flip the news feed, you can't help but get spiritually soul-exhausted, drained from it. We turn on our Facebook page and sometimes people have to get breaks from Facebook because they're too spiritually exhausted from having to engage constantly with this stuff that just seems to drain us. Another aspect of, uh, of us in society today is our, our need to do things on our own. We don't like admitting weakness. Again, we're Americans. We're good doing things on our own. We've got strength for that. And so that's true with our spiritual lives as well. We want to go out and do our spiritual life on our own. I mean, my, my mother, whenever she can't make it to church, she, she'll say, oh, well, this, this morning I was a home Baptist. And I think for my mother, it doesn't mean really doing much of anything spiritual. <laughs> Left on her own, she doesn't do anything to feed that spiritual exhaustion. And again, according to polling, what's the largest growing group uh, in society in terms of religious? Those who are spiritual but not religious. And I'm always suspect of that. What does that actually mean? That's like my mother being a home Baptist. If you're spiritual but not religious, how many spiritual practices do you actually engage in? I mean, maybe once a month you might say a prayer or do a meditation and say, oh, well, that's good enough. Without some sort of other community trying to do it on your own, you can't feed that spiritual exhaustion. And yet, what is going to get people to actually go out there and put your boats into deep water and try that net once again? This is something I've been wrestling with. Now, a while ago, last year actually, uh, I had the chance to have a great interaction with the senior minister up at Cathedral of Hope in Dallas, which is the largest congregation in our conference in the UCC. Um, and it's a, you know, they're doing some creative stuff up at Cathedral of Hope, and I was talking to Neil, and one of the things that he talked about that they were doing that was exciting for Cathedral of Hope is they were talking about the notion of spiritual locations. There's this notion that everybody is in a particular location spiritually. And they're not all the same. 
Something draws people across that threshold to come into church. Everyone's looking for something. But that something, again, varies depending on where we are in life. And there's a scholar, Lily Brock, who sort of lays out a schema of different spiritual locations. And if we can name those spiritual locations, name where we are, then maybe we can figure out a promise that, hey, that deep water is actually going to be worth it. This is a way to fill that spiritual exhaustion. This is a way to do it. But the first step, according to this, is actually to figure out where you are right now. What you're looking for. One of those spiritual locations is being in a period of searching. Searching for answers, theological answers, ethical answers, answers to questions of life's meaning. Maybe you are in that spiritual location right now. That's really what draws you here. You have these questions in your head that you just can't get out of your head, and you want them to be answered. When I was in high school and college, that was very much the spiritual location I was in at that time. I was particularly focused after I had had this great interaction with the Bible and felt deeply moved by Christianity. I liked going to church, but I had questions. I, couldn't, I felt like I couldn't commit to the faith until my questions were answered. And this is the forefront of my mind. So when I went to church and heard a sermon, I wanted those theological questions answered. When I felt they didn't get answered or they were avoided, that would annoy me. I didn't feel like I was being fed. I wanted to know, for instance, whether or not the New Testament documents were reliable. I've got these documents. They see what they say. Well, can I actually form a life of faith based upon them? This was a big deal for me at that that time. This was holding me back from doing more spiritual work. I needed to know what the answer was. And also had questions about God. What is God? What does God mean in the 21st century? It's clearly not an old white guy in the sky. So what is God? How do we make sense of this? How do I talk about this? These were questions that were foremost in my mind. And that's where I was spiritually at that time. And one of the reasons why I went to divinity school was to have a chance to actually put out to that deep water, let Jesus fish and find out all the richness that was there and how rewarding an intellectual experience that was. Maybe you're someone who's in that searching mode right now in your spiritual life. And if so, what's the answer? Come to Christian education classes. Talk to me about where you are. Try and be intentional about finding other groups of people you can get involved in a book study with or some other way to deepen that spiritual life and to answer those questions. But the first step, the first step is knowing where you are before you know where to go next. Another place, according to Brock, another spiritual location we find ourselves in is one of changing. Maybe right now, foremost in your spiritual life is not a theological question, but the fact that you're going through a life change. Maybe you're someone who's expecting a family. Maybe you're in a new relationship. Maybe you've just retired and all of a sudden have new things in front of you. Maybe you're going through difficulty in your marriage or, your other, or other relationships. Perhaps you're someone who's grieving. All of these different aspects are where, are, are, are put you in that social location of changing. You're looking for something. Now, you can do that on your own, but when you realize all the spiritual resources that the faith has to offer for people in those moments of change, it can be remarkable. When I had left the investment banking job I was working at in the fall of 2003, I knew I didn't want to be a financier, but I didn't know where I was going next. And there I was in Boston, and one of the things that fed me and sustained me in that period was being able to walk into Trinity Church Boston and pray there on my own. Little did I know it, I was laying the groundwork for what became my call to the ministry, but it came from being in that spiritual location of change and seeking out something with God. 
putting my boat into deep water and letting Jesus fish and seeing what came about. Another spiritual location people might find themselves in is the need to connect, being a connecting stage. We live in the middle of a major city. We all have people around us all the time, but how often do you really connect to them? Do you feel those deep, authentic relationships with others? Maybe that's really what you're hungering for. Maybe your relationships uh, that you find in your workplace just aren't getting it done, or perhaps they're not getting it done in your family life for whatever reason. Churches can provide a place for deep spiritual connection, which can help answer a deep spiritual need to connect with others and all the benefits that come from connecting. One of the things I loved most about Yale Divinity School, this is why I always say to people, if you, if you have an inkling to go to Divinity School and you have the opportunity, go. And the real thing is because it's just so much fun to connect with other people who are at that same point in life as you were. We would have these epic debates and discussions about everything under the sun. I was a kid in a candy store all the time. I got to talk about theology and dork out all the time. I mean, this was great. I was being fed because I was being connected at a time when I really needed it. Or maybe you're in a stage right now, a spiritual location that is one of listening. Maybe what you're really looking for is a deeper connection with God in your life. You want to find where God is. And in order to do that, you want to listen more carefully to the spiritual rhythms of life. People who are in listening spiritual location are those who are looking for more more spiritual resources, particularly prayer resources. My first year in divinity school was a great time of spiritual exploration for me, a great time of listening. That was the first time I went on a retreat, a spiritual retreat. I had a a week-long silent retreat at a monastery on the Hudson River in New York and learned so much about my spiritual life in that one week-long retreat. It's the first time I ever walked a labyrinth and prayed a labyrinth as I walked through it. It's the first time I ever tried praying a Protestant rosary and other kind of tactile prayers that are repetitive. Anything that I could think of, any new spiritual practice I could find, including centering prayer and other things, that was a time in my life where I was very eager for that and listening to it. I found myself in that listening mode and I wanted to feed it, and it was so enriching. Maybe you find yourself in a spiritual location right now, which is one of deep listening. Then again, maybe it's one of serving. What you really want to do is actually go do something. You're sick of other things. You want to go put things into action. You want to go make a difference. Maybe that's what's feeding you. Last week, I talked about um, the call of Jeremiah and my own personal evolution on the path to actually caring much more and being involved in work of justice. This is, that was a spiritual location I found myself in after divinity school. I wanted to go make a difference and do something. That was the call that I felt. Maybe you're someone who's frustrated with the injustices of the world and you want to get out and do something. That's a spiritual location you you find yourself in. God is calling you to put your faith into action. If you're there, here's a place where you can do that. But you have to know where you are before you put that boat into deep water. The final spiritual location that Lily Brock talks about is one of preparing. Or maybe some of these other areas don't match up exactly with where you are, but right now you're in a good place and you're just preparing. You're trying to deepen your spiritual resources, explore new things, try new things, see where you're fitting in, getting ready for whatever is coming next, because surely you know on your spiritual journey something is coming next. Are you in that stage of preparing? 
One of the goals here at First Congregational Church in the next few months is to actually be more intentional about exploring what spiritual location you might find yourself in right now. Now, again, you might find yourself in multiple spiritual locations, not just one. But the goal is to try and figure out what exactly are the things that are closest to your heart. Where is God calling you? What brought you over that threshold? Once you know that, then we can connect you to that. And then you can put your boat out in the deep water and you don't know what kind of catch you can find. Because here at church, there are resources for each of those spiritual locations. And those resources are deep and they can be transformative for you if you just give it a chance. Now, I don't know what spiritual location Peter was in when Jesus was done making his, make, making his call. But whatever it is, it got fed by Jesus. And his life was changed for it. He was overwhelmed by the grace that came into his life when he opened himself up to it. It was a haul of fish larger than he could ever imagine. And that's something that you can find. As Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of what the future holds. Don't be anxious about things. But from now on, you'll be catchers of people. Let us all as a community try and be more intentional about where we are spiritually so that we ourselves can put our boats into deep water and let Jesus fish. There's no telling what catch as a congregation and as individuals we might be able to find.